Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. I'm your host, Wayne Lou, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors. Take care of business. That's right. I, I, I know it's been a while since the Raptors have really done that. I know it's been a lot of uh, disappointments. Truly some downright embarrassing um, outcomes, especially seeing the Raptors blow double-digit leads. Um, and, you know, there was, a, there was a real threat of that today here as well. The Raptors were up 17. Uh, they were looking good, um, but then a, a really bad third quarter really does them in. The Knicks take the lead. It was looking like, oh, my God, the Raptors going to collapse once again. What's going to happen here? But no, the Raptors actually flipped the script. The Raptors played a really, really great fourth quarter. It was actually the bench, which actually brought them back into the game, brought them back into the lead. And uh, I thought it was a good job by Nick Nurse to ride with the bench, even though the Knicks had taken a timeout and the Raptors took a timeout here and there as well. Each time he kept going to the bench and he stuck with the bench group. And of course, it's not just the bench, right? Because the Raptors aren't deep enough to only roll with the bench. But, you know, Chris Boucher, Juancho Hernan Gomez, in a zone, um, along with Scotty Barnes, Precious Achua, and Gary Trent. Um, that group really, really helped the Raptors reestablish the lead in the fourth quarter there. And, you know, the Raptors have played a lot of zone with the second unit. Tonight was kind of no different. But, you know, they, they're just overall defensive energy and intensity was just really uh, high. I mean, sometimes it's not even necessarily about the schemes the Raptors run, right? I think that's where, you know, we make it sound so simple sometimes, right? Okay, yeah, if you just play the right way, you know, you put the right strategies out there. You're just going to go out and execute, and it's going to be no problems. It's not really that easy, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think uh, for the most part, you, the, big, the big missing element and something that you can't really quantify is really just, like, you see how much energy and intensity that they're playing with. And I thought that bench group really came out and played with some poise. You know, I, I think a lot of times what we've seen this season where, you know, the, the reserve groups and things like that, they just don't necessarily hold the lead for the starters. And so... Um, you know, there was a danger of that in this game, right? Like, for example, literally the last game the Raptors played last night against Boston, the Raptors were in a close game. They had a four-point lead to end the third quarter. The, the bench comes out to start the fourth quarter, and they literally give up a 9 nothing run over the span of, like, a minute and a half, and the Raptors lose the lead, and the Raptors lose momentum, and they got to bring their starters back in. That could have been what happened here tonight, but they didn't. And I think a couple of things really went into that. Number one, obviously, not playing Boston, which really helps. But seriously, I think the Raptors just showed a lot more defensive intensity, right? It was, uh, again, the defensive alignment wasn't that different from how the Raptors have been using their bench of late. Um, but it was really, really effective because they ran it with some like real purpose and real energy. And they protected the paint first and foremost. And they showed multiple bodies against Jalen Brunson, who would have to beat a guy on the perimeter, closing out on him, then another guy uh, helping at the nail. And then also, of course, if he goes to the rim, there's probably two guys helping at the rim. And just stacking those extra bodies, cutting off New York's drives, forcing them to sort of turn away. Even when they touch the paint, they still got to drive out of the paint at that point because there's multiple bodies. And then forcing them to sort of pass out of those scenarios. The Raptors did a really great job of forcing the Knicks, you know, into sort of settling for corner threes, into taking shots that weren't taken by Randall, that weren't taken by Brunson. And I also think that, like, you know, the Knicks' ball movement just wasn't that strong. Like, uh, there were a lot of turnovers in this game. I know 16 is not that high of a number in terms of how many the Raptors forced, but there were so many of these live ball turnovers where it wasn't like, okay, they dribbled and they stepped out of bounds, whatever. That's, you know, that, that's good. Obviously, you definitely take that. It's a, it's a good stop. But the best turnovers are the ones where it's like, you know, R.J. Barrett tries to attack a closeout, gets into the lane, gets in trouble because he can't finish over top of two guys in, 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 in the lane, throws a cross-court pass. That gets picked off by Scotty Barnes. And then Scotty Barnes throws a beautiful touchdown pass all the way to Gary Trent Jr., one-handed fastball, 
um, to, 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 to break away as Gary Trent dunks you know, and, and takes the lead by 11 and forces Knicks into a timeout. Those are the kind of turnovers that the Raptors were forcing in the fourth quarter, and I thought that group really played really well together. I think you know um, there was a lot of energy um, just in general from Boucher and Precious, who I thought um, you know they were excellent today in, in tandem. Um, obviously, that was the combination that worked so well last year. This year, for whatever reason, it just hasn't um, come off for the Raptors in the same way. Obviously, Precious was out. That really hurt things. But even with Precious coming back, you know, it wasn't necessarily Precious succeeding with Chris. It was sort of Precious sort of succeeding independently. And I thought today, those two did really, really well in tandem together. Um, and I think that some of the real positive metrics you've seen from some of those guys, like Chris Boucher, for example, you know, the definition of a hustle player goes really hard, attacks the paint, attacks the basket, you know, and of course using his length to fly around defensively. What I like to see right now is the fact that he got five offensive rebounds and three steals in 23 minutes. It was a plus 14. Nick Nurse played him 23 minutes. You know, this is a, a player who Nick Nurse last night essentially benched him, right? Like, you know, he literally played Joe, he played like 10-day guys, um, you know, like, like Wieskamp, for example, in Minnesota. He played him over Chris Boucher. He played Wancho over Chris Boucher. Like, you know, Chris is a guy who can have a huge impact on the game, but his minutes have sort of really come up and down, and I think that I think Nick is really trying to get him to play in the way that he wants him to. Today, I thought Chris really, really delivered on that front. Now, and, of course, you know, there's, there's just a there, – there's just a it's, – it's really cool that you don't necessarily even have to run the best play sometimes if you're just playing hard. And when you're watching some of the plays back, it's a lot of, like, Chris Boucher uh, works to – uh, get the offensive rebound, and he tips it in, right? That's the first play of the fourth quarter. Kind of an innocuous play. Honestly, the Raptors didn't even run the first action that well, but they got into the paint, got a shot up at the rim, and then they let their you know tall athletes go to work. And obviously, Chris is able to impact the game just with his energy. They're not running plays for him. Then you got Precious Achua attacking you know, a, a, a closeout, goes hard to the basket, and it's not even a great shot, but because he's going with such force, he's fouled at the basket and goes to the free throw line, knocks down both, you know, um, then you have, like, you know, Chris Boucher stealing the ball. Uh, again, the Raptors playing that zone really confused the Knicks. They really kept driving. The Knicks are, like, first and foremost, they're a driving team, right? Like, Brunson's a driver. Randall is a driver. Um, R.J. Barrett's a driver. They go into the paint. But the Raptors did a, such a good job of showing multiple bodies and, and forcing the Knicks to sort of zigzag their drives. A lot of those passes were, like, bailout passes, and the Raptors were able to run off of those. Chris Boucher tips one of those. Then the Raptors run out. Chris Boucher gets the pass in transition, and he tries to go really hard, tries to dunk over Isaiah Hartenstein, a bigger player, and Hartenstein's forced to take the foul on Chris. Puts him on the ground, which is a hard foul, but it's just a really, really great physical play there, right? Um, And then, of course, you also just need some general play creation out of that group because you can't just necessarily only live on runouts and and, and, and tip-ins, although, to be honest, that was sort of what got the run started. Um, but, you know, you, you do have some half-court initiation with that group. You had Gary Trent Jr. curling off of a pin down on the right side of the floor, you know, and, and catching a pass either from the point uh, from Scotty or maybe, you know, even after they sort of reset, they give him the ball and just let him run it. But to be honest, like a curling Gary Trent Jr. is, you know, a pretty decent option, especially if you're able to set up good physical screen. And obviously the physicality was quite strong with this group. You know, you can create some separation, you get Gary opportunity to catch and shoot for three, drive into the lane, maybe make the next pass, you know, all that kind of stuff. There's an advantage generated there. And then otherwise, it's sort of like, okay, you have Scotty running the point. 
can Scotty sort of take initiative and go to the paint? Now, we've seen Scotty knock down like a, 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 like a bailout jumper in the fourth quarter as well. That was great to see. But that was more of a broken possession. You know, it didn't really go anywhere. He isos at the top, and he takes like a, a, a foot on the line th- uh, long two with the clock expiring. He made it, which is good. But overall, I think you want to see more possessions where he's in the paint, and he does that here today. Goes against R.J. Barrett, post up. You know, the Knicks don't really send help. Um, they're missing uh, their key shot blocker, Mitchell Robinson, as well. To be honest, Henry Sims or um, Isaiah Hartenstein, these guys just don't offer the same kind of like shot blocking that a Mitchell Robinson would. And so Scotty's able to post RJ knowing that if he's able to beat him on the first move, he can probably finish at the basket. And that's exactly what happens. He spins off of RJ's pressure. RJ's got to be the smaller player, so he's got to put more physicality into it. Scotty uses that against him, spins, goes to the basket, misses the layup, but Scotty's able to tip it back in for a putback, and he gets an and one on that, which was really beautiful to see. You know, and then he had another play where Scotty posts up against Sims, who's a center and, and quite built. But at the same time, I thought both Pascal and Scotty were able to go at him. Pascal was able to draw more fouls. In this case, Scotty's just so strong. He's able to get to his spot. And even though he's posting up a bigger player, Scotty's got such a strong base that when he spins and turns, he's got those wide shoulders. It's very hard to jump over and contest over him or sort of disrupt his shot. He's just that strong. And then Scotty's able to go in for a little post up. Then Gary Trent comes off the screen, knocks down a three. Next play down, Gary, same play, comes off the screen, doesn't take the three, drives downhill. Defenders go to him. He, you know, throws the bounce pass to Precious on the roll for a foul. Like, just great, great stuff. Just great, great stuff, you know. And, of course, while all this is happening, the Raptors were able to set their defense time and time again, and the Knicks just kept turning it over. Like, there was a play where Fournier – first of all, why is Fournier even playing? He's not very good. But Fournier catches the ball – on the ground, and he has Nick's teammates right beside him, but instead of resetting to them, he just kind of throws the ball up for no reason. And again, he's lying on the ground. It literally goes right to Precious. Precious hits it to Scotty, who takes it end-to-end and gets fouled in transition. So a lot of really, really positive stuff from the bench. And again, you know, the good thing here is, obviously it's easy to say for us watching at home, but I think for Nick, like, there's always that temptation to sort of bring in your starters and bring in your veteran guys and sort of let that you know, essentially cash out your chips, right? You're, you're, you're hot at the table. You want a couple of hands. Can you just cash out? Nick doesn't cash out. You know, in, in this case, he kept rolling with this group that really brought him here. The Knicks called timeout. The Raptors called timeout. He stuck with it. And then, key pivotal moment, the Knicks hit back-to-back threes, right? And this is where, finally, the defense started to come undone here, right? Uh, you had a play where, I think, Grimes with an up fake. Scotty bit on the fake, left his feet, and then, of course, the Raptors had to scramble to rotate over to Grimes, who's a good shooter. Grimes swings it to the top to Brunson, knocks down a three. And then the next play down, Wancho misses a corner three. The Raptors are slow in transition. Randall drives the middle. Corner kick out to Grimes for three. Back-to-back threes for the Knicks. At the three-minute mark, Nick Nurse calls the timeout, stops the, stops the run, and that's when you realize, okay, now i got to bring in my main players and play a little bit differently and, and just close this game out. And there was three minutes left there. The Raptors, were, I think, were down or up like nine or ten. And, of course, they're in a strong position, but we've seen the Raptors lose that in those positions, right? Literally, just look at the past week of results. Um, however, the Raptors were able to come in and, and set up a couple of good plays. Even though they brought back Pascal and Fred, they still went to Scotty Barnes on the post-up for the first two plays. The first play, Scotty's able to post up, draws the second defender, Pascal cuts, Scotty finds him with a shovel pass. Pascal is able to finish with the hook shot uh, in close to the basket. Just great team basketball, very simple play. Next time down, Scotty posts up. He doesn't make the shot, um, and the Knicks come back and score. Now what the Raptors do, they go back to that Fred and Pascal pick and roll. Fred handling, Pascal screening. 
Um, you know, both defenders go slightly to Fred because Fred, you know, was... I mean, Fred has just torched the, the Knicks in four straight games here. Um, but, you know, Fred gives the ball back to Pascal at the top of the floor. Pascal is able to attack a closeout, get to the middle of the floor, draw the second defender, kick out to Fred at the top of the floor. 30-footer, catch and shoot three, knocks it down. It's game over at that point. Raptors are up 11 with one minute left. And again, just overall really good, you know, game management. I think first off, you wanted to see something of a response from the Raptors. It's Look, they've been losing in hilarious fashions. And, of course, their defense was really poor. But you do want to see a response. There are some positives if you choose to look at it that way. And, of course, if you're the coaching staff, if you're Nick Nurse right now, you have to at least just try your very best to keep that mood upbeat in that room and, and look at some of the positives. The positives right now are the Raptors are performing way better on offense of late. And that's not necessarily a surprise because we've, we finally got this clean stretch here where, you know, you have your main players healthy. Obviously, OG wasn't able to play, but Fred's able to play these days. Pascal's able to play. Scotty's able to play. Precious and Gary are also back, and they're in a rhythm. Things are good for you, right? And so you're actually able to see some pretty consistent half-court offense, which has been nice to watch. I mean, the first off, the Raptors started the game really nicely today. You know, Fred with a pull-up three against the drop coverage. The Knicks just continue to play drop coverage against Fred, which... Listen, I mean, I'm not saying that, like, you know, you have to sell out your whole defense to guard Fred. I mean, I don't think any defense in the league is doing that right now. But at the same time, Fred has dropped literally three games against the Knicks. He's played, he's scored 28. And then the fourth game against the Knicks, he scored 33. So you're you're talking about a guy who's averaging 30 points a game on you. You should probably step up to the level of the screen. So Fred's able to get hot from three. But, you know, I, I just thought the Raptors played well. Obviously, they started the game beautifully. They're up 37 to 22 after the first quarter. Um, the, a lot of two-man games with Pascal and Fred was working really well. That it, you know should be the, the core of the Raptors' offense, but to be honest, the Raptors get away from that quite a bit this season. There's a lot of mouths to feed, whatever, but today it seemed much more simple. You know, Those guys were sort of running their two-man actions, and you know they were getting extra passes out of it as well. Like It wasn't just them monopolizing the ball, but at the same time, like it just made a lot of sense, right? Like there, there were a lot of gaps for those two guys to attack. But I also think that, like, you know, the bench was able to come in and contribute as well. And they played in a different way. It was much more physical to the paint, you know, aside from an occasional Gary jumper. No one else is really in that much of a threat to shoot. But they have all those guys playing with tons of energy. You know, Precious, for example, you know, he started today, played a lot of minutes with the bench, had another great game, double-double, 12 points, 11 rebounds, four offensive rebounds, had two steals. And listen, Precious only took four shots and made two of them. But he got to the free throw line ten times more than anyone else on the entire court. And it's not like Precious dominates the ball or, I mean, he, he does refuse to kind of give up the ball sometimes, especially in transition. But the point is, every single time Precious had a chance to attack, he did it. And he went hard at the basket, he took the punishment, and he gets to the free throw line. And you know what? That You just have to respect a guy like that. You, you rarely see a guy who doesn't touch the ball that much, but he's able to still get to the free throw line. It's a real indication of his mentality and also his just like sheer physicality that Precious is able to play with. And, and you know what? Those two styles, they're able to marry it today. And, of course, you've got certain guys that can kind of, um, you know, bridge the gap between the two. I think Gary's a natural sort of you know, player who not only can he play that physical, gritty style, especially, obviously, when you have all those defenders behind him, you can really sort of hide him a little bit, especially if you put him in the zone. You can really mitigate some of his defensive weaknesses. And meanwhile, you have the benefits of having one guy who you can run a set action for, right? Because if you think about that, that group, again, that, that, you know, took the lead in the fourth quarter, it was... Wancho, Chris Boucher, uh, Precious Achua, you know, Scotty Barnes. You know, Scotty to a lesser degree, I think, I think Scotty you can run consistent plays for. Um, it, it's sort of just more of like, you know, can you get him to consistently attack the basket? 
But at the same time, there's three guys in there with Precious, Chris, and Wancho that you can't like run side actions for time and time and time again, especially not for the Knicks to actually respect them defensively. You need one guy out there who can actually move the, the needle, and that was Gary. And just because of that simple little curl action, they were able to get a three, they were able to get a, you know, Precious for two free throws on a roll, like stuff like that, where you just have that little extra bit. And, of course, Gary's also effective with the main group as well when it's sort of Pascal and Fred playing pick and roll because of the fact that, you know, when, when there's extra defenders that are sent Fred's way, when the extra defenders set Pascal's way, they're able to kick out, and they want somebody like a Gary Trent Jr. who's able to, you know, catch and shoot and knock it down. And, of course, Gary tonight, unfortunately, he fouled out a couple, you know, gambles. But then again, he had two, uh, two steals and a block. You know, that's, that's okay. Um, I, I would still say ultimately it was a bit of a weak defensive game, but ultimately he knocks down six threes for you uh, and scores 24 points on 9 of 17 shooting during that time. He fits with both groups. And then, yeah, you know, that you just had like a really nice flowing game. Well, of course, offensively, it died down in the third quarter. Actually, you know what? It died down in the second quarter as well because, you know, Nick Nurse decided to extend his rotation and he put on uh, a bench group that was nothing like the fourth quarter bench group. He put on Pascal with, I think, Precious, Chris, and then he played Joe Wieskamp uh, and Jeff Downton. And listen, I'm, I'm really happy those guys got opportunities, they got chances to play. I think a lot of people have been really tired of sort of seeing what the Raptors have been doing. Uh, we've been watching the Raptors extend the minutes for their main guys and really, you know, ride them and, and you know, essentially really burn them out at times. Um, you definitely do need to see the rotation extended. This is the fifth game this week for the Toronto Raptors. Um, they haven't had an off day in, in nearly two weeks, maybe even more than two weeks, actually. Um, they also had just played a game last night where a lot of their main guys played like 40-plus minutes again. So you definitely need to see like a purposeful approach from Nick to extend the rotation. That's what, exactly what he did here. Puts in Wieskamp and Downton just for the first six minutes of the second quarter, and he rode with the mistakes, and he rode with the ups and the downs. To be honest, not a lot of ups between the two of them, and I'm not really going to blame them, but at the same time, you look at the box score, they're both minus 7. Wieskamp's 0 for 1 without a rebound, without a steal, without a block. Jeff Down is 0 for 2 without a rebound, without an assist, without a steal, without a block. Right? So they're literally empties across the board. And when you watch the execution of the plays, you kind of get it. Right? First play, second quarter, you got Jeff Down bringing the ball up as the point guard in this group. Save Pascal some energy, right? So give Jeff, give Jeff, uh, give Jeff Down the chance to bring the ball up. Um, you have Miles McBride on the other side pressuring full court, and Jeff Down barely gets it over before you know, the, the eight second count. All right, and then, you know, you're asking Jeff Down to sort of create against uh, the Knicks' defense. And, again, the Knicks were putting good ball pressure on against them. But he gets in the middle of the floor, finally gets a, a, maybe a look. I mean, it's not the greatest look in terms of a mid-range pull-up. But, okay, we, we do know that from his track record in the G League, he can knock that down. Tries to go off for that shot, and Hartenstein swipes it out of his hands. You know what I mean? And then they're, like, trying to run a, a play for Wieskamp, but they're sort of pinned down action. Um, the, the screen is not set well for him to curl off. Obviously, without a screen, it's hard for Wieskamp to get a shot off. And so, you know, they're not really even running plays effectively for them. They're kind of just wasting time sort of going through the motions on one end of the floor. And again, that goes back to the idea that it doesn't necessarily matter what you're running when you don't run it with any intensity. You can run any action you want. You can run any defense you want. If you don't play with energy and intensity and purpose, you're not going to win and you're not going to get results. And it's going to look bad on everybody. You can blame the coach. You can blame the players. But ultimately, there's blame to go on both sides, right? Um, Now, 
you had that. And then when Wieskamp finally got a semi-open look in the corner for three, he, he, you know, he missed it. There was you know, pretty decent anticipation for it in the arena. I think people are already starting to clue in. They're like, oh, this guy's here. He's a knockdown shooter. But my point is, though, that bench group didn't really do well at all. In fact, it just kind of like, I mean, it was just basically Pascal ISOing in a lot of those possessions. Not necessarily because Pascal needed to ISO, but because like they just weren't able to run their sets. Maybe that's obviously the lack of familiarity. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Joe literally joined the team this month. Jeff Downton obviously has been up and down, um, but like you know, still you got you got to do some you know better results in that front. And, and that's where I'm, I'm happy that Nick completely swapped out that approach. Right in the second half, he goes to a different group altogether. It's Scotty and Gary with some of those energy guys instead, and it actually produced a way better result. But still, I like the approach, though. I, I, even though he didn't get anything out of these guys, I'm happy that Joe and Jeff got a chance to play in this game um, to at least get a turn. Because ultimately, not only do you need to see what you have in some of these guys, but you also just need to like buy some time from your main guys. And listen, your main guys are doing well. Like I think Fred is, feels very comfortable in this matchup. So, you know... Um, he was doing well, but then again, he also wasn't doing well because at the end of the third quarter, even though Fred did knock down a three to, to sort of like restore a bit of order after the Knicks, you know, went up and stuff like that, Fred had like three straight drives where he went hard to the basket. First one, I think he really should have gotten the foul call for, but the other two were kind of really, like they're bang-bang plays. You know what I mean? Like this game was called tight anyway. The Raptors got 35 free throws. The Knicks got 26. So you're talking about a game where you, all, you have 60-plus free throws, 61 free throws. So this game was called tight. But Fred wasn't getting a couple of those calls down there, and to the point where he missed three straight drives. I think two of them got ran back in transition for baskets for the Knicks. And then after the third one, Fred didn't even get back on the play, complained to the referee, and the referee gave him a, an extremely sassy technical foul. Like, he really slowed that thing down and really, you know, made a meal out of <laughs> tapping his, you know, <laughs> index finger to his palm. Um, but ultimately, like, that's not a good play, right? Like, you can't want you, – you can't – have your main guys lose composure for you like that, right? It really doesn't really... Not only are those bad shots and you're basically just living for the foul, um, but you, you, you're, even after some of that, your frustration is there where you're not getting back in transition and you're complaining about the foul call and you get a technical foul. All this is pretty bad, especially while the Knicks are actually making a comeback in the third quarter. They move the ball a lot better in the third. They're able to get open threes. They're actually starting to knock down some threes as well. I thought the Knicks were really cold to start the game. And as the game went on, they started to catch more fire. Um, but, yeah, you know, that third quarter was real shaky, and it was really looking like the Raptors were going to blow it. Like, to be honest, you know, they didn't start the third quarter well. They didn't finish the third quarter walls either. And, you know, it, it could have been pretty tough. But I think in the moments in between, the, the Raptors did play a lot of good basketball. Obviously, coming out to the hot start was great. Um, and then finishing strong was great. Um, losing the middle parts, I think, are, it's regrettable. I think for the Raptors, they really, really need to sort of continue learning how to play with – with, with a full intensity for four quarters. Um, but, you know, the Raptors were able to sort of uh, find themselves tonight. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a relief, I got to say, just because, look, whether you're in on the tank or not, um, I, I think at the same <laughs> you just you don't want to see the Raptors just, like, continuously um, embarrass themselves, right? I mean, like, to be honest, like, when the Raptors lost the lead in the third quarter after leading by a lot to, for the entire first half, I'm sure a lot of people lost some faith in the group. And it's not just that, like, oh, you know, it's a fandom. Like, you obviously got to stay strong for the guys all the time. It's, like, just based on recent history, like, you just keep seeing these patterns play out. 
And I think once you really get it into, you know, your mind that, you know, this is a, this is a team to be pessimistic about. This is a team that folds easily. This is a team that, you know, isn't serious. This is a team that, you know, is going to turn on each other when you really, like, you know, make a run here. You know, it starts to become your reality, right? But I think at the same time, that's one thing where the Raptors have done a really good job over the years, staying competitive. No matter who's out there, they always scrap, right? And I mean, even think back to not even just championship, but the years after that, how many games we celebrated because the Raptors are missing like two, three key rotation guys. They were going up against a tough opponent. And, you know, despite all that, they're able to beat the odds. They play super hard. They play together and they're able to win the game. Right. And, and I think that was like a true culture that was really here in Toronto for a long time. Maybe you just call that just, you know, Kyle Lowry's influence, because obviously he was so competitive. And I really even don't I don't even think that's gassing him up. I really do think that that's the influence he had in this situation. But like you, you don't want to see that sort of never say die attitude lost with this group. And of course, we've seen that at times this season. Right. When, when they made that comeback against the Bucks. Um, on national TV and they forced overtime. Of course, there was definitely that, that attitude to come back. But at the same time, I think you can just show it within the games as well. And I think that the Raptors were able to take the punch here, but then counterpunch and ultimately knock out the Knicks. So, you know, it's a positive results across the team. I think, um, you know, in this matchup, Fred definitely feels comfortable. Again, he really, he, he got out of, he just completely got out of whack in the third quarter there towards the end. I get it. But at the same time, I think that's a lesson for the, 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 the veterans there, right? Even though, they feel responsible for this team, and when the Raptors are falling apart a little bit, you know, you expect them to sort of step up. But you need to expect them to step up in the sense that they calm things down and make the right plays and, of course, knock down the big shots, but ultimately, you know, make the right plays even when there is a sense of panic because when, you're st- when your veterans start to force it as well, that kind of, you know, you got to first off resist the, the, the temptation to take over because none of these guys are like that much that much of takeover type of players like we're, we don't have like a Damian Lillard like a LeBron like a Kawhi on the team right like we really don't have those type of players um but I think more than anything else like I just I think it might alienate even just a group at large when you essentially say okay you guys are screwing up I'm going to try to take over and fix this myself at at, at every given point you got to do this together as a team and I, I just think that like that's that's a lesson that probably the, the young veterans on this team have, have to continuously learn over and over and over again I know it's hard to trust them sometimes because, you know, they got to show you something as well. Trust is a two-way street. But still, in this case, I, th- I think that uh, that's a bit of a lesson learned from this uh, matchup. But I thought Fred ultimately, like, look, you know, he, he didn't play against um, the Celtics with the rib soreness. He plays here today. Even if that was just injury management or load management, I think it's smart. I mean, he literally has been dealing with lots of minor ailments. And then the Raptors, like, he missed, what, a game with the back issue, maybe one or two. And then as soon as he returns, the Raptors play him like, I don't know, something close to like 120 minutes over three games. Like in three games and four nights as well. Like, you know, you just, you, you, you got to chill a little bit, right? So he, he got the night off. He comes back the next night and he does, he does pretty well, right? Ultimately, he does pretty well. I, I think, um, you know, this matchup, him versus Brunson, it's interesting because um, we've seen the Raptors and the Knicks switch up the matchup so much. Obviously, they played each other four times in the span of essentially a month here. Um, but, like, we've seen Fred guard Brunson. We've seen Brunson guard Fred. We've seen today Grimes guard Fred. We've seen the Raptors put Scotty on Brunson. We've seen the Raptors put OG on Brunson. Like, it changes up. Even today we saw Hernan Gomez on Brunson in a lot of stretches. By the way, Wancho's man-to-man defense, pretty good. Really got to say, like, I really do think that Nick really likes him in that, in that way. I know he doesn't produce that much, but it reminds me a lot of what the Raptors used to do with Pat McCaw, and I know that was definitely a point of contention 
where a lot of people in that season were like, why is Nick playing Pat McCaw so much? He doesn't do this, blah, 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 blah. And I, I count myself in, in that as well. But I do think that he likes these guys, especially off the bench, who come in with energy, who really you know, uh, play smart, play solid, sacrifice for the team. And even though they're not that good offensively, like Wancho missed two open threes, I thought he was a big part of sort of how the Raptors were stacking up to guard Brunson in particular to start the fourth quarter. So you have these matchups anyway in terms of at the point where, where Brunson goes at Fred, Fred goes at Brunson. And listen, you know what? Ultimately, I think these are two point guards that are worth comparing, right? Because I think if you're Fred, you're probably looking at it like, okay, me and Brunson are, are, are not on the same level, right? I think probably Brunson thinks he's better than Fred. I think Fred probably thinks he's better than Brunson. Um, now, Fred has a, a, a bigger resume in the sense that he's made all-star and he's uh, won a championship. But at the same time, I think Brunson definitely has been more productive than him this season. However, in the head-to-head matchups, you know, like you look at it, it's it's a fair fight so far. Brunson did have that uh, that and one at the end of the one win the Knicks had over the Raptors. But also, Fred has also made some big plays against the Knicks as well, um, including the three there to clinch there tonight, for example. But it's interesting. You know, like watching them in this particular matchup, I don't see that big of a gap. Even this season where Fred's having a down year and Brunson's having a great year. Um, you know, kind of same kind of point guards. They're smaller. They probably need someone else to sort of take on the, the, the defensive assignments. Um, you know, in terms of team defense, I think Fred's better at it in terms of just swiping at the ball. But Brunson probably shows more physicality, and he's a little tougher, and he's able to score in the paint a little bit better. Um, both guys are pretty good catch and shoot, or pretty good uh, pull-up three-point shooters. Um, Brunson probably slightly better than Fred this year, but Fred's able to knock in more catch and shoots, especially of late. He's been much better in catch and shoots. Like that three at the end there, that's a perfect play that the Raptors used to run all the time at the start of the season, and Fred will miss that three instead of making it. You know, and of course that really does swing a lot of the results. So you think of the Sixers game when they lost in overtime, Fred had two of those wide open threes and he missed both of them, right? So games like that where you have examples where Fred was able to knock it in, obviously he's coming around now when he's able to catch and hit from three. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's been interesting watching these two guys. And, of course, Fred's kind of going to be looking for something similar to Brunson, if not slightly more than Brunson, in free agency. Uh, and we'll see how that goes. But, uh, ultimately, you know, um, I, I mean, in the four matchups here, literally Fred scored 28, 28, 28, and 33. Um, and even tonight, I thought probably was the worst of the four performances, uh, and he still was fairly effective. So, you know, um, I think Pascal likes this matchup as well. Um, obviously, he scored 52, so there's a lot to like there. But the Knicks also kind of shut him down one of those performances as well. Not having Mitchell Robinson really did free up a lot of stuff for Pascal because Pascal's able to go ISO against Sims quite a bit, Jericho Sims. Did I call him Henry Sims earlier? I guess that's another former player. So my bad. But, yeah, Jericho Sims. Um, yeah, Pascal was able to go at him a couple times. He, um, you know, he's able to attack on the pick and pops. It's nice to see his three come back around because he's been really cold from that front. I think he was like one for his last 22 from threes. Today he was three of six. And he was able to knock in a couple to start. That always just really helps. Kind of makes the game easier for everybody, really. If he's a bit of a catch-and-shoot three-point threat, obviously no OJ and Obi today means you need another person to be on the perimeter and catching and shooting. Pascal is going to do that for you. Um, and then, yeah, just a usual game from him, you know, um, you know, seven rebounds, six assists as well. Just, you know, there's a lot of offense that goes through him. There's just a lot of stuff that goes through him. I like seeing Pascal leak out and transition a couple times here today. I don't know if he actually ended up making more than one of his, like, touchdown passes. But ultimately, like, that's a big part of his game that used to be, like, the main way Pascal used to score when he was a rookie or even as a sophomore. Um, but he's able to do that uh, as well. He just obviously hasn't been doing it as much right now when his, his role is essentially to be a star wing. But, you know, I thought he played a good game. Um, I definitely want to see him do a little bit better leading that bench group. 
But at the same time, that bench group wasn't doing much for him in the second quarter. So, you know, there's, there's things to improve on this performance for sure for him. Uh, I, I really like Precious's play. I already talked about that earlier. You know, Scotty had an interesting game because in a lot of these performances where, you know, he's, uh, he, he shuffles from, like, last night, for example, no Fred, he's the point guard. Today, Fred's in the lineup, but Precious is in the lineup, so Scotty's more of a wing, right? Because we've seen Scotty play center, we've seen him play wing, seen him play point. Um, I, I like the way Scotty played today. Um, you know, I, I think there was a lot of catching and sh- um, finishing, either that's like dump offs around the basket finish or catch and shoot for three finish. Um, and that sort of helps him stay in the flow of it. That sort of makes offense a little bit easier for him in the sense that you get to sort of be involved. But at the same time, I like seeing his aggressiveness attacking as well, especially in the paint. For example, in the third quarter, there's a play where Scotty posted up against R.J. Barrett, uh, was able to uh, draw the foul. Right. Next play down, um, you know, Scotty's uh, friends bring the ball up. Scotty's in one elbow, the exact same elbow where he first caught the ball for the first post up. And then he had Pascal on the other elbow. Instead of throwing it to Scotty in the elbow, instead he called for Pascal for the screen. They ran the play. It wasn't a bad play. You know, didn't get a bad shot out of it. But you know, the, it, it still he didn't ultimately go back to Scotty. Third play down, Scotty demanded the ball. Got into the post, the exact same scenario. Demanded the ball, held it up. Was like, "Yo, give me the ball." And this time it was Gary bringing it up. Gary's like, okay, cool. You want the ball? Here you go, right? I mean, Scotty was really calling for it. Went at RJ once again, got into the paint, drew the second defender, and then shovel pass to Precious Achua on the cut, who was able to draw the foul there. I love seeing that mentality from Scotty. Go attack it. You know, like, yes, you, you might not necessarily get the ball every single time, and probably they probably should have given you the ball that second time, especially after you scored the first one. But listen, the point is you demand the ball, you be aggressive, and you force the play. There's, there's so many things that he can do. And of course, over the course of this game, it's not like Scotty scored seven of the same buckets. Like, they're all very, very different in terms of what he was able to do. Him leading the bench group was huge as well. Um, you know, they just needed somebody to really, you know, uh, bring the ball up, set the play. He was the main initiator. And, of course, look, listen, when you're the point guard, you also got to make some plays end of the clock. He was able to knock in that mid-range jumper. I really like the game he played tonight. I like that he peaked in the fourth quarter as well. That beautiful, you know, uh, pass where he stole the ball on a cross-court feed, and then immediately had the presence of mind to throw like a one-handed fastball to Gary Trent leaking ahead. I mean, listen, if he doesn't whip the ball as hard as he does, that pass is probably broken up, but he does whip it hard, and it does lead to his man, and it does lead to a highlight. That's the best play of the night. He throws up the goggles. I loved it. You know, like I, This was a really, really good game in terms of Pascal and Fred, uh, Fred had their thing going, and then Scotty had his thing going with the bench. It was it, it all came together really well in the timing of it. Gary, obviously, like I mentioned, connects the group. And then, listen, man, you just got some decent performances off your bench. Thad Young coming in for 15 minutes. Obviously, him at center, you know, he's not going to contest a lot of shots, but he was able to scrap and, and create some deflections. You know, he's solid. Obviously, you're able to dump it off. He's able to finish around the basket. That little hook shot is very, very consistent. But, um, yeah, you know, yeah, he was decent for you. Nick Nurse didn't overuse that lineup, though, and didn't over-rely on it. Instead, he relied more on Chris Boucher and Precious Achua, who were really great in the middle, protecting the paint. And then Wancho comes in and gives you some decent production. You didn't score plus 13 in this game. I really liked his play in this one. And, and won a key tap-out as well at the end there, where I think Gary's able to catch and shoot for three because of Wancho's hustle. So, good win. Um, we'll see how many more they can stack together here. Obviously, you know, I think a lot of people want them to tank. I get it. Um, I'm probably in that camp on, uh, right now as well. But at the same time, you got to respect the fact that the group, before the tread deadline, they're still competing hard. They're still trying to see what they can do with th- in this group. And maybe it's too late, but maybe it's not. Um, you know, ultimately, they played well. They just obviously have had some really low lows. Um, 
So we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> it's hard to say what the Raptors are going to do night to night, but tonight was a good one. So uh, in order to wrap up the show, your three stars from tonight's game. I'm going to give the first star. I'll give it to Scotty. Um, I think there's, it's close. Some of the other guys play really well here, but 19.7 rebounds, six assists, a steal, two blocks, seven to 15 shooting, one of four from three, four or five from the free throw line. Um, yeah, I enjoyed his performance. You know, I, I think they're always definitely going to be more um, giving more weight to what happens in the fourth quarter as well. Um, and that's honestly probably the best quarter for Scotty um, overall when you just break it down. But uh, yeah, I, I liked it. And I liked that he led the bench group. That was not an easy assignment, but he did a good job with it. Um, your second star, I'm going to give it to Pascal. 24.7 rebounds, 6 assists, a steal, a block. Uh, 9 of 21 shooting, 3 of 6 from 3. 3 of 6 on the free throw line. I mean, look, listen, you definitely want to see more, um, maybe just more energetic um, performances on defense. There's a play where Nick there's like hopped off his, his, his seat and was like yelling and screaming and clapping uh, as the Knicks were sort of inbounding, on, uh, you know. And I think R.J. Barrett cut behind Pascal for a layup. Stuff like that, like, okay, obviously we know Pascal can do better on that front, but, you know, objectively had the advantage most of, of the game and, and, and took advantage and, uh, you know, had a decent night. I'm just happy to see the three ball come around as well. That's just the easiest way for him to score a lot of times. Um, and if it's not there for him, then he obviously has to go more one-on-one to get his buckets, which he can do, of course, but still it's a much harder way to do it and a less efficient way to do it. Uh, your third star... Hard to pick between Fred and Gary here. Um, I thought Gary's defense at times was really leaky, and that's part of the reason why he got six fouls. But at the same time, I I still do weigh a lot of what happened in the fourth quarter. And so I think probably Fred played slightly better than Gary on the balance of the game. Fred obviously creating more of his offense, Gary more of uh, finishing plays. But uh, I think I'll give it to Gary here. 24 points, three rebounds, two assists, two steals, uh, block, um, season high, six threes made as well um, on 9 of 17 shooting. So good performance. Honestly, I was really leaning towards Precious as well. There's a lot of good performances in this one. That's what it takes for the Raptors to win. But, uh, yeah, you know, uh, a lot of guys played really well tonight. So I think we can, you know, take some joy out of that. Uh, Your Gerald uh, Gerald Henderson Award winner from tonight's game. Um, I'd probably go with Obi Toppin. I mean, he was the main... It wasn't even like he was creating that many problems. The Raptors just kept leaving him wide open uh, in the corners. Uh, I think three times he was able to knock in corner threes in the third quarter. They just weren't picking him up. Some of that was the Raptors being in zone and, and sort of being overloaded on one side of the floor. The Knicks were able to sort of find the extra man, which was Obi Toppin in the corner. Um, but, yeah, and he had a runaway dunk as well. Obviously, he, he was in the dunk contest before, so he can definitely do that. But, yeah, 14 points and 11 minutes off the bench. I mean, didn't really affect the game that much, ultimately, I have to say. But... You know, I suppose um, everyone else on the Knicks kind of just did what you expect them to do. So it's hard to pick this one, but I guess Obi Toppin gets it. So thanks everyone for listening. Uh, please continue to rate, review, subscribe. Uh, as a reminder, Alex is away for the, the Raptor show this week. So just be me hosting. Um, but we got a lot of great guests lined up uh, as the Raptors head out west for a seven-game road trip that may or may not break the, the core of this team. Um, so we'll have to see. But, of course, with every single game, we'll, we'll follow all the developments and track all the rumors and all that stuff so thanks everyone for listening once again and uh yeah i will be back with you to recap the game on wednesday 